As always, it's so good to be with you. And I must say, truly, that every time we gather together, you fill my heart with joy. And for that, I'm very deeply grateful. Well, today is going to be the last weekend update on what's been going on at the St. Albert Family Home Place. Palm Sunday's next week, can you believe it? And then Sunday after that's what, Easter? Yeah, <laughs> it's amazing, isn't it? But I hope that uh, these little reports that I've been giving you have been a boost to you uh, because you can see some of the, the great things that are taking place in our midst here at the great St. Albert the Great Parish. Uh, for example, last week the, the children of the school raised $6,003 for humanitarian efforts to support those in Ukraine. It's called, they called it pennies for peace. Now, I, I hope they didn't bring it all in pennies. That's a lot of pennies, isn't it? That's a whole, that's about, what, 60,000 pennies? <laughs> You'd be rolling pennies for years, wouldn't you? But, uh, but what a wonderful thing that is. Think of how that helps people. I, there was uh, a young lady the other day. She, she came up to me. She was one of those uh, giving me my Girl Scout cookies, and she was telling me about how, uh, how, how could she help. How could she help the, the children in Ukraine? And I thought, boy, that's really impressive, isn't it? That's Jesus for you. Another one is we recently celebrated First Reconciliation. Uh, the kids did a great job in preparation for that. I was totally impressed with them and the parents as they made preparation for this wonderful event. Another one is our illustrious sea dragon. You know, name that dragon. Well, we have a name. That name is Bertie. Bertie. Uh, you can hear Albert. You can hear Alberta in that, can't you? So uh, B-E-R-T-I-E, and then it's got the kid ring to it. You know, it's a kid thing. It's sort of like the Jeep thing. This is a kid thing. Um, and so Bertie is going to be hanging out at the uh, playground here in just a couple of weeks. Another thing is that our new sound system is going in. There's a couple pieces of it. Uh, you see they're hanging on the wall. You're not going to believe it next weekend. You're going to say, well, what's changed? What's different? Well, that's what's changed. Uh, we have a new sound system. We also, uh, this week, more importantly, we have a new archbishop. That's really critical. Father uh, Archbishop Fob, and I'll be talking a little bit more about that in just a moment. Uh, also a good word from Father Mike Tobin. I know that some of you know him. Uh, I was, we were, he and I were lined up in the procession for the installation mass this week, and I'm always asking people, uh, tell me your story about coming to Jesus. Tell me your story about uh, being a priest. And, and he said, well, it's interesting you would say that to me. Father Mike said that. He said because uh, he's a graduate of St. Albert the Great. And uh, he, went, he, he was here for eight years. And then he said that somebody in the church asked him one day that if he had considered being a priest. And he said after that, it was history. It was history. Isn't that interesting? Uh, I think that really is. And, and, you know, you never know. You just don't know the impact, the reach of your impact in the world in doing good. It's amazing. 
uh, the things that take place. And so we have a lot to, we have a whole lot to be grateful for. You make an impact. You do a lot of good in this world, that's for sure. Well, since a new archbishop is appointed only once every 15 to 20 years, I thought it'd probably be appropriate this morning to take a few minutes to reflect upon this Wednesday's uh, installation mass of Archbishop Fobb. I, know, I noticed in the Courier-Journal on Friday that they had three takeaways from the mass, and, and all of them were good, but I still think there's a few more that can be added if you want to experience the fullness of the beauty, the truth, and the goodness that is contained within the church itself. So I want you to listen now to some of the other encouraging takeaways for those of you who are assembled here this morning, who are part of this wonderful, wonderful Archdiocese of Louisville and are known as the faithful at St. Albert the Great Parish Community. That's the, that's the genius part about Catholicism, about the Catholic Church. We all belong to this great geographical region called the Archdiocese of Louisville. It stretches all the way from the Ohio River all the way down to the Tennessee border. But we don't go into Tennessee, but we just go to the border there, you know. But uh, then, then we, the genius is that we are pockets. We're, we're members of the, the church of the Archdiocese of Louisville, but we're dispersed into the communities. Our place is this, and we call those places where the faithful gather the parish. And so we're here, we're called in this place, in this community, to bring a living presence of Christ into the community. Very, it's, it's genius is really what it is. Well, let me get back to some of the takeaways. First takeaway that I had was that the church has many parts to it. It's full of different types of pieces. Uh, if you looked at the installation mass, if you were able to attend or you watched it, what you noticed right off the bat that there was a wide range of spiritual gifts that were being shared by those in the faith community. This included hospitality ministers, it included lectors, it included choir members, it included musicians. And then we saw a wealth of diversity also within the clergy. It took 15 minutes for all of them to process in. Uh, and they weren't doing it in a pompous way. No, they were saying, move fast, move fast. Uh, because there were so many of them. There were deacons, there were priests, there were bishops, archbishops, cardinals, I mean, all of them. The only one missing was the Holy Father, and, and we can understand why he's not here. He has a few more things to do. But you see this plethora of diversity that we have contained within the church itself. And then the, the, the expansiveness, the diversity of cultures and languages, it was so prevalent when the, when the readings were read and when the prayers of the faithful because we heard these things being spoken in English, Hispanic, uh, German, Filipino, Korean. It was beautiful. See, this is, we're called the Church of the United States. But the church, the Catholic Church is a universal church. It's the whole entire church. It's the whole entire globe, the face of the earth. 
and what it is to be a part of such a wonderful diversity. See, what brings us together is Jesus. That's what brings us together. That's, that's, the, that's the leveling ground, so to speak, if you want to call it that. But uh, I, I, I'm not exaggerating when I say this. You'll say it probably is, but I'm not. I'm really not. The Mass, when I was there, it felt like heaven. It did. It felt like I was in heaven, like I would know. Well, I've not been to heaven yet, but it sure felt like it might be. That's the way it would be. And it reminded me immediately of the second chapter of Acts, Acts 2.42, which is the church, the church in action, the New, the New Testament church in action. Uh, let me read that, those verses. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings and to the fellowship and to the breaking of bread. Everyone was filled with awe and wonder. All the believers were together and had everything in common. That's what I felt. That's what it felt like at that wonderful mass. But the church has many different parts to it. Um, the second thing to take away is that the many parts, the diversity of the church, had a flow of order and harmony to it. See, it's one thing to be diverse. It's another thing to have harmony. That's another different situation. See, if you go back and look at the history of the church, for 2,000 years, the church has been handing on the tradition of the faithful having a shepherd to watch over them. That's always been important. And after 50 years of Archbishop Kurtz as our uh, being a priest, it was time for him to retire and a new archbishop was to be assigned and that was Archbishop Fobb. And we see that transference of leadership taking place at the installation mass. And it really brings to mind, as we saw that, the orderly succession, this, this notion which is very Catholic called apostolic succession, this or orderly succession of leadership which would continue to take place until the day the Lord returns. See, the Lord cares about us. And he says, I'll have somebody to shepherd you for as long as you're here on this earth. But someday I'm going to come back and I'm going to take you to be with me. Um, one very visible, I don't know if you noticed it or not, but something where it's very visible to this effect of order and harmony that has taken place in the life of the church ever since its inception, it was embodied in a letter, a personal letter that came from Pope Francis himself, and it was addressed to you. Yes, it was addressed to you. It was addressed to all the faithful in the Archdiocese of Louisville and the ambassador for the Holy Father to the United States. We call that person the Apostolic Nuncio. He stood up and he read that letter. He read it to all the faithful who were there because what was, he, what was the Holy Father saying? See, he was bringing order and harmony into what was taking place by saying, this is the person that I am going to appoint to be your next archbishop. I mean, and it's beautiful. You can go back to the Acts of the Apostles, and right there it says the same thing. They did the very same thing. There was this beautiful transference of leadership, and it was done with proper order and harmony. 
Now, order and harmony are very important, especially in a church of over 1.3 billion people. You know, it's hard today to find order and harmony in your home with four people, isn't it? It's hard, isn't it? Think about 1.3 billion people, what that would be like. Uh, you know, I think that really speaks highly of the Holy Spirit. See, the Holy Spirit was guiding the New Testament early church into how that it was to work together and how it was to provide order and how it was to provide harmony. It, it reminds me, actually, it reminds me of an example of the orchestra, of an orchestra. Let me ask you this question. Could you imagine what an orchestra of 1.3 billion people, instruments, would sound like were it lacking the proper proportion of drums, of flutes, of cymbals, uh, of clarinets, of violins, all those things. What would it be like for if you had an orchestra where everybody was playing off a different sheet of music? Do you all do that over there? Huh? I mean, you know, everybody has their own different song that they're playing, or they have their own, own beat. Well, it would be a disaster, wouldn't it? It'd be a fiasco, wouldn't it? It'd be chaotic, to put it mildly, wouldn't it? But how beautiful it is if you take 1.3 billion people and there's order and harmony to what they're doing. What's the most beautiful thing in the world, isn't it? Can you imagine that, Laura? Do you want to direct that, that group, 1.3 billion? Uh, wow. I mean, that's pretty, that's pretty massive, isn't it? Uh, it would be the most beautiful thing you could ever hear. See, that's the beauty of the church. The church provides order and harmony, and we need that. We desperately need that in our world today. The third takeaway is that Archbishop Fob has the heart of a good shepherd. That was so obvious. Um, now, I, I love Archbishop Kirk. I think he's one of the most holy and godly men that I've ever physically met in my life, you know, actually met him. Uh, but I can tell this, I'm really going to like Archbishop Fob as well. And uh, here's why, because both of them have the heart of a great shepherd. And that's what you want in a bishop. You want the heart of a great shepherd because they're leading and they're guiding you. And the thing that really impressed me the most about Archbishop Fob and his heart was something that he said repetitively in the homily. Over and over and over he said it. Again, I do not know why Courier Journal didn't pick up on that report it because it, it was so important. I mean, it, was, it truly was the theme of his message. Well, what was he saying? What did he say over and over again? He says, people, faithful people of the Archdiocese of Louisville, this mass is not about a person meaning me, Bishop Fob. It's not about me. It's about another person, and that person is Jesus. He always came back to the centrality of Jesus, and that's what makes the church unique. That's what makes the church who it is. It's Jesus. Who is, who's the head of the church? It's Jesus, isn't it? Who, who gives us strength and calling? It's Jesus, isn't it? It's not us. You know, we're, we're a part of the body of Christ, but it's Jesus. And he kept saying that over and over again. 
and uh, see everything that we are, everything that we do as the church is bound up in our relationship with Jesus. And, and he says, you know, we people of God, we must always, always look to Jesus as our strength and guide in everything we do. And he says, even when it gets tough, you know, he knows the honeymoon's going to wear off. He says, even when it gets tough in life, who do we look to? Do we look to circumstances or do we look to Jesus? Which one do you look to? Well, you look to Jesus, don't you? So he's got a great heart. The fourth takeaway is that the church is full of love. It's full of love. What a wonderful experience as we sat there gathered about 3,000 people. We fed upon the green pasture of God's holy word. We took a drink from the eternal springs of the Eucharist. We exchanged the signs of peace as brothers and sisters in Christ. And then our new pastor, our new bishop, assured us of his prayers. And then he sent us back into our perspective, respective communities to share the love of Jesus wherever we went. And that's exactly what took place. Here is this uh, beautiful image of coming together and then being dispersed. It's so typical of the New Testament, isn't it? And that's what happened. Uh, we see Deacon Mark coming back to help Brianna to enter into the church through the RCIA program. We see Dennis and Mike and Harvey uh, and others coming back to inspire us after they've sung in the adult choir there to come and inspire us here today. That's what you're doing here today, aren't you? Uh, Kathy, you know, there's Kathy there, comes back and she's lecturing today. Uh, do, you, do you get the feeling of that? There's Holly, Holly's here today. Well, she comes back to help with the handbell and the youth and all of that. Laura Graven, she was there. She comes back to lead a support group for those who are grieving the loss of another person. Uh, Virginia Schulte over there, she comes back uh, to come and take care of the plants within the church. See how beautiful they are and what, how, what a difference they make? See, that's coming back to do good. There's me to come back as your pastor and many others. I mean, there's so many, I can't even begin to mention all of them, but they come back to do to be love in the community. This parish is like a city. I've said that oh many times. But it's a city with like a light on a hill. That's what it is. It shines brightly and it leads people to Jesus and the love of Jesus. And that's, that's a wonderful thing. See, there's so much of the love of Christ to be found in the church. Meaning right here and right now. You can find love right here. And right now, the main and the final takeaway is this. Help others to see the goodness, the beauty, and the truth of the church. Um, after, after that heavenly experience, you know, uh, it, it caused me to realize the church is overflowing today with beauty. It's overflowing today. It's full of goodness it's filled to the brim with truth. Now, is it perfect? Well, the church in heaven's perfect, absolutely. It's, it's perfect, the church triumphant right now, it's perfect. 
The church on earth, the church militant as it's called, it's still got a ways to go. You know, it does. Um, And I go back to the orchestra illustration on that. Well, as you think about it, the trumpet section needs to add more seats. We need a few more trumpets. Uh, Or the cello section, their their strings are out of tune. They need to tune their strings a little bit in order to get in harmony with everybody. Those are things that are going to take place over the course of history. But if you look at the church on earth, the church on earth is still by far full of goodness, it is full of truth, and it is full of beauty. Now, why do I know that? Here's why I know it. Because Jesus is the head of the church. You know, he's the head. He is the head, and he always will be the head of the church. And that's one reason. It's his church. And the second thing is because of all of the beauty, the goodness, and truth that I see contained in you. You're the church, aren't you? Yes. So I believe in it because I believe in you. I see your goodness. I see the love that you have. Now, it's true. Many people today like to drag the church through the mud. Many people today like to rake the the church over the coals. But church, let's take a different approach today. Let's let that not be our approach, but let our approach be to make it a better church. That's what you're called for. That's what you're here. Make it a better church. That's what Jesus has called us to do. Well, God bless all of you. God bless St. Albert the Great.